Okay, hello everybody, today is Friday, another Anything Goes Friday, welcome to the show, and to those of you who follow the Zodiac Killer episodes on this channel, you're in luck, because not only was Monday Zodiac Monday, Friday has now become a Zodiac Friday for this particular week, devoting the Anything Goes Friday segment to discussing Mike Rodelli's book, The Hunt for Zodiac. Mike Rodelli has been following the Zodiac Killer mystery for decades, and he's also been very involved in getting the material from the police reports shared in various ways. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking about the content of his book, The Hunt for Zodiac, as well as his research process. And this will be one where I'm definitely going to rely on you guys in the audience for responding to some challenge questions. Sometimes on the Zodiac Killer News reports, which come out on Mondays, I ask you guys a challenge question to begin the episode. In this particular one, they're going to be intertwined all throughout the entire program. And if you'd like to follow along with all the, these true crime discussions in the future, whether it's Zodiac Mondays, the uh, Wednesday segment, which used to be the Ask Me Anything, lately been talking about the Long Island serial killer, but the AMAs might return, and if anything goes Friday segment where any subject is fair game, I invite you to hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. You can also uh, support this show in some other ways. The first is by going over to Launchpad 1, and you can download the audio of this program for free as a pure podcast. Take it on the go anywhere and anyhow. If you would like to download the video version, you can use YouTube Premium, but that one you have to pay for. Launchpad 1 is free. And there is always the buymeacoffee.com page. If you would like to make a contribution to help support this show and all of these segments that come out on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, as well as all of the bonus episodes, every, absolutely everything is welcome. And all contributors at buymeacoffee.com will get a shout-out on Zodiac Mondays. But in this episode, I hope that it's going to be perceived as a book discussion rather than a traditional book review. Instead of going through everything step-by-step step in a big summary and then just giving some opinions, I'm just going to be looking at some of the ideas that have been shared in the book, The Hunt for Zodiac by Mike Rodelli, and responding to them. And also, I want to talk about Mike Rodelli's research process and how this material was obtained. And firstly, I would like to go to one of the recent Zodiac Killer news reports that came out not last Monday, but the one before. And we had somewhat of a dispute between Tyler Grover and Tom Void of ZodiacKiller.com in the comments section, because Tyler made the comment that that I, I had just stopped short of talking about Mike Rodelli's interviews with Lindsay Robbins. And the uh, Lindsay Robbins was a witness to the final Zodiac crime, which was the murder of Paul Stein on October 11th of 1969. I mean, the final confirmed one. There are lots of unconfirmed crimes after that. And th there were multiple children of the Robbins family who saw the perpetrator walking away from the crime scene. This was the murder of Paul Stein, who was a taxi driver and killed by the Zodiac Killer. And there are eyewitness accounts who saw this person more or less in action, maybe not seeing the exact time that the victim was shot, but they definitely saw somebody at Paul Stein's taxi cab who almost certainly, and in fact certainly, was the killer. But did Mike Rodelli actually interview um, Lindsay Robbins or any of the Robbins children? I mean, I responded to Tyler Grover by saying something that I've had the opportunity to talk to Mike Rodelli about it in the past, and he said that um, 
something that was very uh, bold that I thought, and that is that Lindsay Robbins was an eyewitness to seeing the actual Zodiac Killer, and he said 100% that the Zodiac and Arthur Lee Allen were not the same person. In fact, when he was shown a photo of Arthur Lee Allen, he laughed, and yes, it is a uh, guy, Lindsay, as opposed to a girl, but uh, Tom Voigt responded by just simply asking the question, did uh, Mike Rodelli interview Lindsay Robbins? And Tyler Grover says, yep, Lindsay told Rodelli that he didn't hear a gunshot, but he saw what looked like a knife in the hand of the Zodiac when he was at the Stein murder scene. He felt that he was using the knife to cut the shirt, according to what Rodelli told Lindsay. So there's your witness seeing a knife in the cab. And Tom Voigt responded by saying, first of all, Mike Rodelli didn't interview Lindsay. It was someone named Jim Dean. Secondly, Lindsay told Dean he assumed a knife was used because of all the blood and that no gunshot was heard. Lindsay never claimed to have seen a knife, period. And then Tyler Grover went on to send me something that was allegedly written by Jim Dean, this former member of law enforcement who was involved with the interviews, something that Jim Dean had posted on a message board in 2010. And Jim Dean writes, I have talked to the Robbins kids extensively, and they are a remarkable couple of kids. Some background, there is an upper-class neighborhood, and they are in an upper-class neighborhood, excuse me. The Robbins' father was, and maybe still is, a surgeon. At the time of the murder, the senior Robbins was about a block away from attending a formal dinner at the Belgian Embassy. To continue, the first kid at the window saw the driver and saw, thought that he looked sick or something. Lindsay Robbins and Rebecca Robbins went to the window and saw the driver laying across the front seat of the taxi cab with his head toward the passenger floor. His head was in the lap of another man who was the passenger. Rebecca saw blood and said out loud, he's stabbing the man. She was seeing blood on the victim and saw the glint of the knife, so she assumed a stabbing was taking place. No shots were heard by anyone. And I had the opportunity once again to ask Mike Rodelli some follow-up questions. The first one I asked him was about the interview process, and Mike Rodelli responded uh, very, um, very clearly along the guidelines that Tom Voigt said, that he never interviewed Lindsay Robbins, and he also um, was unfamiliar with the story about the glint of the knife. And then I asked the next question, well, was this really Jim Dean who posted this on a message board in 2010? And Rodelli asked him. I didn't talk to Jim Dean directly. But Jim Dean responded by saying, yes, he wrote out that segment, but um, he didn't remember all of the reasons why. He believed that somebody had asked him to tell his side of the story about interviewing the Robbins kids, eyewitnesses to the Zodiac killer. And I am giving one point to Tyler Grover and one point to Tom Voigt. I know it's never... Um, entertaining when it ends in a tie, but it's not like there are any real points to begin with. But firstly, Mike Rodelli did not conduct the interviews with the Robbins kids. And the second one is that Jim Dean does say that they had, um, the, one of the Robbins kids, not Lindsay, but Rebecca, saw the glint of a knife and thought that the victim was being stabbed. It is very odd that Mike Rodelli, the author of The Hunt for Zodiac, found that something that he didn't recall, and he almost disputes that, saying that um, Jim Dean may have forgotten something, but Rodelli did not. He uh, thought that that was rather unusual. And 
I believe that Rodelli's assessment is a little bit more on the lines of what Tom Foyt was talking about, thinking that the Robbins kids assumed that there was a knife because they didn't hear a gunshot. But um, as we said, Jim Dean conducted those interviews. And this is very important because perhaps you'll remember out there that there is something called the Zodiac Killer hoax theory. There's a book called The Myth of the Zodiac Killer by Thomas Henry Horne, which states that the piece of Paul Stein's bloody shirt that was mailed in in Zodiac letters was not cut off at the crime scene, but it was cut off after it had been placed in the crime lab. And if somebody saw a knife at the crime scene, one of the eyewitnesses being the Robbins kids, who contributed the details that gave us the Zodiac Killer composite sketches, well, that's a pretty big challenge to the hoax theory. But, um, I mean, there seems to be uh, still some disputes, but this is where the information is coming from, and Jim Dean has shared his story online, which I was just reading off. With the actual bulk of Mike Rodelli's book, the hunt for Zodiac. I would like to begin with the first confirmed Zodiac killing, and that is the Lake Herman Road murders, which took place on December 20th of 1968, that saw the deaths of David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen. Mike Rodelli believes that the Zodiac killer was a Norwegian-American named Shell Cavalle. His first name is spelled Shell, K-J-E-L-L, and Cavalle is spelled Q-V-A-L-E. He is one of the, um, I guess, more recognized people who is promoting a suspect who is not completely of North American origin. Yes, there are several of them out there, but um, perhaps one of the more famous suspects who comes from the European continent, Shulkavale, was born in Norway, the city of Trondheim, Norway, actually, in 1919. He would have been 50 years old in 1969 during the peak of Zodiac activity, and I think that Rodelli's suspect is... Definitely one of the richest, and I mean, I, I literally mean that, one of the wealthiest people ever to have been accused of being the Zodiac Killer. He was a prominent businessman involved with the importing of vehicles, automobiles, that was his trade and his passion, particularly British cars, but also Italian at some times. And on December 20th of 1968, David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen are in a parked car at Lake Herman Road, which is more or less a parking lot or gravel area on the side of the road that connects Vallejo and Venetia. So, Mike Rodelli wrote in The Punt for Zodiac that he believes that the Zodiac taped a pencil flashlight to the gun barrel of a twenty-two caliber firearm. The Zodiac comes out of his car, seeing the two teenagers, and he holds up the gun and the flashlight. As I said, the, the flashlight is taped to the gun barrel. And then the two teenagers are ordered out of the car. And then his um his analysis is that Betty Lou Jensen was actually shot first. And then the Zodiac Killer turned the gun on David Faraday. Betty Lou Jensen would run a little bit before she was shot. And she is definitely running away. And David Faraday is standing more or less closer to the car, I think for simplicity's sake. He is standing closer to the car, and she is farther away from the vehicle. But I thought that this was um, a very bold claim, because most people tend to think that David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen are ordered out of the vehicle, and that David is shot first in the head, 
and that either the killer told Betty Lou to run, or just kind of teasing her in some way or playing some type of game. Hey, go on, get out of here. Even though he fully knew well that he was going to shoot her in the back, or maybe after um, David Ferdy was shot, she just screamed and freaked out and ran away on her own accord. But in both scenarios, you would have David Faraday being shot first. I mean, in those things, whether Betty Lou ran away on her own or whether the Zodiac ordered her to run, David Faraday is shot first. Which one makes more sense to you? And that's really the first challenge question I would like to ask you guys. Who was shot first at Lake Herman Road? Was it David or Betty Lou? And you can uh, give your reasons why in the comments section down below. One of the bigger reasons why people think David was shot first is they believe that the Zodiac had a habit of neutralizing the male victims first and then turning toward the women because the Zodiac went to Blue Rock Springs Park on July 4th of 1969 and approached Mike Majot's side of the car door. Well, that's not really a good way of putting it. He approached the passenger side of the car where the victims were sitting, and Mike Majot, the male victim, was sitting in the passenger seat. Darlene Ferd was in the driver's seat. At Lake Berryessa, the Zodiac stabbed Ryan Hartnell first and stabbed Cecilia Shepard second. So, um, I also would like to point out some details that are discussed in the hunt for Zodiac, and that is that the Zodiac would go on to take credit for the murders in a letter, and he would talk about how he was able to see the victims at night. How was he able to get these clear shots at Betty Lou Jensen? In the past, the um, investigator, I, I believe it's actually Les Lundblad, gave the theory that Betty Lou Jensen would have been running away from the Zodiac on a clear night, so her body would have been silhouetted, and even though the Zodiac couldn't make out her features, he's just shooting at the silhouette against the dark outline of her body, and he would be he would have been able to see her even if she had been running in the dark. The Zodiac disputed this, and he said that he taped the pencil flashlight to a gun barrel. Now, that is very important because Mike Rodelli points out that most people wouldn't use the term gun barrel. Instead, they would say the barrel of a gun. And it just so happens that Shell Cavale Mike Rodelli's suspect owned a horse named what? Gun Barrel. And um, he owned many horses, actually, and um, I'll talk about that later on. But he owned a horse named Gun Barrel. And I asked Mike Rodelli about this. Okay, okay, I, I, I see what you're doing. You're finding these um types of linguistic connections. But what do you think that means? Do you think that that was something that was intentionally done? by your suspect, let's say hypothetically if Shell Cavalli were the Zodiac killer, would he have done that intentionally, or are these just unconscious usage is of this of of the same words? Like is it is it just unconscious word choice because he was familiar with these words and used them in his daily life and they slipped in to the Zodiac letters. And Rodelli said that it was the first. He genuinely believed that his suspect, Shell Cavalli, was giving clues to his identity, such as owning a horse named Gun Barrel and talking about taping the pencil flashlight to the Gun Barrel. So that's with Lake Herman Road. But you're also going to see that the Zodiac Killer is going to do some similar things at Blue Rock Springs, the second confirmed crime, July 4th, 1969. David, sorry, not David, Mike Majot and Darlene Farron 
are shot sitting in a car at Blue Rock Springs Park, and this is the first time that the Zodiac Killer will make a phone call afterwards, and he says that um, he shot two kids with a 9mm Luger. He also killed those kids last year, referring to the Lake Hermit Road murders, and then there's the famous goodbye, where he's almost mocking the uh, dispatcher, Nancy Slover. And I'm going to... um share one point, though, about Lake Berryessa really fast, because the the third confirmed Zodiac crime is the Lake Berryessa stabbing, which occurred on September 27th of 1969, and this saw the murder of Cecilia Shepard and the stabbing of Brian Hartnell. Brian would go on to survive, and the Zodiac brought pre-cut lengths of rope. He was wearing the hooded costume. He was carrying a firearm, but didn't use it because he stabbed the victims after they were tied up, and then he went on to write a message on the car door at uh, Lake Berryessa. He wrote out the Zodiac symbol, the word Vallejo, the dates of Zodiac activity, and the words, by knife. Now, in Mike Rodelli's book, maybe the most valuable part of the hunt for Zodiac is the discussion that he had with the profiler, Richard Walter, who talks about his assessment of the Zodiac killer. You have this guy who's targeting couples, right? Think what we said, Lake Herman Road, Blue Rock Springs, and Lake Berryessa. Then Paul Stein, whom I've already discussed, was the final confirmed victim, the taxi driver murdered on October 11th of 1969. No female was present at the um, actual murder scene, mind you. What does that mean? What did Richard Walter say? He said that this is not a disorganized killer. This is a power-assertive personality. The Zodiac murdered the victims at Lover's Lanes when practically no one else was around, yet he did not mutilate the victims, because it's not about the emotion. This isn't some type of feeling-driven killer. This is a cold, methodical, and calculating killer. Everything is deliberate. If the victims had been stabbed 90 times at Lake Berryessa, and, and that does happen in some crime scenes, even more than 90 times, victims can be stabbed if someone breaks out into a rage. It's just that. That's rage. That's an emotion. That's an emotionally driven killer. This is all cold, methodical, and calculating. This is deliberate. Somebody has a specific plan. Other examples that Richard Bolcher used were taping the pencil flashlight to the gun barrel at Lake Herman Road carrying the pre-cut lengths of rope at Lake Berryessa. And Richard Boulder even went a step further by saying that this goes quite against a lot of the statements that people have said about the Zodiac, thinking that he was some guy who was very well educated but didn't have a very high-paying job, or maybe he wasn't even well-educated, but he was just very well-read, and that maybe some guy who likes to read a lot of books science fiction, poetry, classical literature, and of course is into different types of music, but he doesn't have the strongest educational background and of course is working some type of menial, solitary job. Richard Walter would dispute that, and he would say that this is someone who is very successful, high profile, and everything that the Zodiac has done in the confirmed crimes is organized. Which one do you think it is? And I would like to ask you that. Do you believe that the Zodiac was a successful, career-driven individual who was cold, methodical, and calculating? Or do you believe that the Zodiac was somebody, as we said, 
the gifted underachiever, the gifted underperformer, someone who was very well read, but did not have his life together. And I really want to uh, reemphasize that particular point because the Zodiac, according to Richard Walter, is someone who has his life together. He has all of the major components, like he's not some type of sad little man, as uh, some people have criticized uh, certain Zodiac theories saying, oh, they just think that there's this sad little man that got lucky and outsmarted everyone. I mean, halfway outsmarted him, the other half would have been luck. Sheer dumb luck, that is. And then, I mean, Mike Rodelli and Richard Walter would definitely be in contrast to that, saying that, no, this could even be a prominent businessman, such as Shel Cavale. I really cannot get over a particular detail about Shel Cavale, and that is that he is just a speed junkie. He just seems like um, he is absolutely obsessed with speed. Like, did you ever watch the movie Talladega Nights or something with, with Will Ferrell? And he just, um, he's playing the character Ricky Bobby and just says, I want to go fast, I want to go fast. That's the way I think of Shel Cavale, because, I mean, he's into auto racing, of course, because he works in the car business. He was into boat racing at Lake Tahoe. As I said, he owned numerous uh, racing horses. He owned numerous thoroughbreds, and he was into not only breeding, but into horse racing. And the famous story that Mike Rudelli likes to tell about him is that Shel Cavale once unofficially tied the world record in the 100-meter dash. I mean, he's just constantly dealing with this, I want to go fast. He just has this overwhelming need for speed. And even if we could separate ourselves from the Zodiac scene, I would just like to have known Shel Cavale personally. I think he's a fascinating individual. And there is a book out there that has been written about some of his ideas and observations from someone uh, named Kevin Nelson. It's called Lunches with Mr. Q, the Q being for Cavale, talking about his um, life and his ideas on business, as well as his... Um, a love of cars, and uh, just the need for speed. And I have just downloaded this on my Kindle. I'm making a summer reading list right now, so I'm hoping to uh, explore that one, because I just want to learn more details about this particular person. And it doesn't only have to be Zodiac Killer related, because, as I said, Shel Cavale was doing so many more things, especially someone who has come from... Norway to America, and just had the American dream, has just had the ability to achieve a lot of success in this country. I, I, I just want to hear the whole thing. Now, as far as the Norwegian angle, are there any clues that would suggest that Kavale, a Norwegian, was responsible for the Zodiac crimes? Number one, Shell Kavale was born in Trondheim, Norway, and Trondheim is the sister city to where Vallejo California. Number two, I mean, this isn't exactly about Norway specifically, but Cavale's parents were Norwegian, right? And Cavale's father was born on September 27th. The Lake Berryessa stabbing occurred on September 27th, and Cavale's mother passed away on December 20th, and December 20th was the date of the Lake Herman Road murders. So you have two major dates in the lives of his parents, a birth date and a death date that correspond to moments of Zodiac activity. And, um, I mean, do you think that that is uh, something significant? I mean, the first time that I heard about that 
the dates linking up like that, somebody presented it to me and said that it could be an act of synchronicity with a Z, or perhaps it could be a genuine Zodiac killer clue. And then the other Norwegian clue would be that the Zodiac would write the SLA letter in 1974 and say that SLA pronounced slay, an old word, Norse word meaning kill, and that somebody such as Shelkavale, a Norwegian-American, would have been very well aware of that, or he would have been aware of that, let's just say. Shelkavale came to the United States when he was 10 years old, and Tom Voigt has a video on his channel, Zodiac Killer Official, of Shelkavale talking about business, and I believe it's actually a bank commercial. I was just watching it um, for the, like, 12th time yesterday. That was the first time I actually noticed that there's this little thing about the bank at the end of because the whole time and every time I've been watching it, I was pay atten paying attention to the way that he talks because, as we said, he's a Norwegian-American, and he had a very hard accent in the video. He, he definitely sounds like he is someone who is from Northern Europe. And Nancy Slover, the dispatcher who spoke to the Zodiac Killer, said that he did not have any accent. He was speaking in a monotone, but there was no discernible foreign accent. Brian Hartnell, who also talked to the Zodiac Killer at Lake Berryessa, said there was no noticeable foreign accent. And I'm not 100% sure, but when I was listening to the Atlanta Monster podcast, they played a segment of Shel Cavale's phone call with Michael Butterfield, and I wanted to go back and find the clip, but the Atlanta Monster podcast has numerous episodes. Season 2 is devoted to the Zodiac Killer, and during that clip, it's about five seconds long, you can hear Shel Cavale talking, and he has absolutely no Norwegian accent of any kind. He sounds like a... he sounds completely North American, and he's talking about how if he could just meet Micro Deli, then he would give him his side of the story and he could convince him that he wasn't the Zodiac Killer. So, as I said, I don't know 100%, but I can give you my honest take on the subject, why he sounds different in the bank commercial video that's available on Tom Voigt's channel. It's because he's telling the story about growing up in Norway and his love of horses, and said when he grew up in Norway and he had a little bit of extra pocket money, he would go for a horse ride. I think that he was putting putting it on. Like, some people can turn up their accents or turn it off, and I deal with this all the time because I'm a West Virginian, and I can slip into the twang if I want to, and, or if I start, um, you know, getting, like, fired up about a particular subject, people who aren't from West Virginia or the Deep South will notice it. Hey, your Southern accent is coming out. I mean, like, it can be done very easily, and I think that he wanted to sound a little bit more, nor bit more Norwegian in that video because he's telling a story of his Norwegian childhood. I'm just guessing. I didn't know the guy. That's just a wild guess. It's not even an educated guess. It's a wild guess. But, um, it, something that made sense to me. But, um, in his daily life, I don't think that he had any pronounced Norwegian accent of any kind. And as far as his age goes, I have discussed this with Mike Rodelli in the past, and he said that 50 years old might seem old for a Zodiac Killer suspect, but Shelkavale looked much younger, and, um, he did not, uh, look 50 years old at all. A lot of Mike Rodelli's book is devoted to his discussions with the Robbins kids, though, as I said, he is not the one who is asking the questions. He is using Jim Dean as an intermediary, because Jim Dean was a 
former member of law enforcement, and they thought it was a little bit more appropriate. But to get the commentary from the Robbins kids, as well as from Officer Donald Falk, who allegedly saw the Zodiac Killer as well, is something that Mike Rodelli wanted to do for a very particular reason. Lindsay Robbins and Donald Falk both were not interviewed for Robert Christmas' 1986 book, and I believe um, I believe there's something in The Hunt for Zodiac about how Donald Falk got a message from Christmas saying, okay, I didn't interview you for the first book, Zodiac, from 86, but he was going to interview Donald Falk for the next book, Zodiac Unmasked, but that also didn't take place, and it just seemed very puzzling to Mike Rodelli about why that would happen, people who actually saw the Zodiac and could contribute information. But Lindsay Robbins was interviewed by other people. The quotation that I had brought up about laughing at Arthur Lee Allen as a suspect, or saying that Arthur Lee Allen was absolutely not the person he witnessed at the taxicab, was from an interview that was conducted with George Bowart. And um, that's just something that, was, I, that I found in The Hunt for Zodiac. It's another piece of info from this book. But on the notion of Shelka Valle and a witness, Lindsay Robbins, during the interview with Jim Dean, they asked the question about Shelka Valle, where it came up. I believe it's actually Lindsay Robbins who is even kind of figures out where they're going with this. And he says that the Cavalle family lives in their neighborhood. That's why, um, that's why the Stein murder could have possibly happened in Rodelli's theory. It's close by to where Cavalle lived. The Cavalle family lived in the same neighborhood as the Robbins family. And what Lindsay said was, Don't you think I would recognize my friend's dad if he had been the Zodiac? I've been to their house. They've been to my house. If it was him, I would have just said that. I would have said that. And um, both uh, Jim Dean and Mike Rudelli thought that that was rather shocking. And then they're like, oh no, everything's just going to come to an end. However... It turned out that there were some misleading pieces of info, because even though Lindsay Robbins had been friends with um, other members of the Cavale family and he had been in the house, he hadn't actually met Shel Cavale until the 1970s. And the final crime that we've been talking about, the Stein shooting, that occurred on October 11th of 1969. He also had never seen Shel Cavale wear a pair of glasses, even though they had numerous photos of Shel Cavale wearing glasses throughout the 1960s, and by the 1970s, I mean, Cavalli had changed his hairstyle, he grew outside burns, and he looked nothing like the composite sketch, and what Lindsay Robbins said, mostly to himself during the interview, according to Jim Dean, was, he just began muttering, can't be him, it can't be my friend's dad, something to that effect, Un not wanting to believe that someone whom he had known personally could have possibly been the serial killer that was the Zodiac. And also, Lindsay Robbins uh, provided uh, perhaps a more convincing piece of info. And it's not even related to Cavale, but he said, as a witness who had actually seen the Zodiac killer, that the composite sketches are very accurate. And according to the book The Hunt for Zodiac, Rebecca Robbins, his sister, also said that the uh, composite sketches they have are accurate. That's what the killer looked like. So that definitely provides some food for thought when, you're, when we're dealing with 
some suspects who look absolutely nothing like the sketches, and then we have to provide some type of explanation. Oh, well, it was dark outside. Maybe they didn't get a good look at him. Maybe they didn't truly see what was going on. But anyway, I would just like to ask you about which suspects do you think look the most like the Zodiacular composite sketch, which was after the Stein shooting. And again, this came from the Robbins kids. Officer Donald Falk did not contribute to the uh, composite sketches, so please weigh in in the comments section down below, as well as responding to any of the other challenge questions in this particular episode.